Great. Perfect. <laughs> I think we got that on recording. I'll leave that one in. Hells yeah. I was, man, yours are, dude, they're juicy today. What did, <laughs> like, what did you do? Did you just, like. I, I had a giant salad yesterday. Oh, uh, lots of, lots of yeah. uh, insoluble fiber. In yes. <laughs> or soluble, soluble, soluble fiber. Soluble fiber. Yeah. That'll that'll give you the poops. <laughs> All right, here we go. Captain's Pog. Dot the best game of the 90s. I'm Captain Britain. And I'm Nightmare Cloud Pat. These are the voyages of the starship USS Buffalo Wild Wings, our ongoing mission. To explore new Trek episodes, to seek out old Trek, both cringe and based, and to boldly go where, where Diana, Diana has nightmares and soars. Soy Trek the Podcast is here. One half vegan, one half queer. 100% best. Unless we have a less leftist guest. Because we don't have guests. Patrick and Britain. Talking, joking, farting, and shitting. All about Star Trek. Like our buttholes, the show's wreck. Trek the podcast is here, so listen to Soy Trek right, right in your ears. Welcome to the bridge. This is Soy Trek, the show where two Trekkies ask themselves, "Why haven't you bought any of our merch yet?" Please buy it, my ch- my I mean, children. They need wine. Yeah, I mean we're 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 really doing fine, but uh, <laughs> we're doing more than fine. Like I'm like too busy, and like I spent my entire weekend, which I mean. <laughs> To be fair, I usually work most of the weekend anyway, but, like, I spent most of my entire weekend, like, just doing this as, like, a job. Jesus. And the thing is, like, I made more money doing this part-time than my other part-time job this week, so mm-hmm. I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> is this becoming, is this becoming, like, a career? Like, I, I, I don't know. I'm, I don't know, man. Gotta do what you love. So not this. <laughs> yeah, I was like, smoke weed and fuck. That'd be cool oh, yeah. if I could. I mean, I guess I could do that. I could just go back. Let's go back to sex work. I'm gonna go back to whore myself out. There you go. Yeah. All right. From now on, no more. Uh, no more offering dick pics at the end of the. Uh, the end of the show. You're gonna have to pay for them They're now. Ten dollars. Yeah. On my my OnlyFans. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, uh, Do you think um, uh, Beverly Crusher? She has uh, Only Phantoms. Oh, good one. <laughs> she has sex with a ghost. In yeah. That episode. Yeah. 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 God, I hope we get that episode sometime in the future. That episode rules. It really does. It's 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 one of the most batshit ones. <laughs> like I think for, just, for TNG, like it's yeah. out of the first season, uh, outside of yeah. outside of the that first season because like seasons, seven, yeah. six or seven, yeah, yeah, it's it was too late, late for too late for an episode like that. Yeah, yeah, it was especially like, a Scottish planet. And right. it's just like no. Yeah, the Scottish planet is just like <laughs> that. I mean, I can suspend my disbelief, but mm-hmm. once you start like giving the Scotsman back some land, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, no one, no one responsible would do that. No, you can't achieve warp technology if you plan on giving this. <laughs> Although, like segregating all of the Scotsmen onto their own planet, mm. not a bad idea. It does come off as as very racist in a way. <laughs> you 
can't be racist against Scottish people. Yeah, but I mean, it's just like, like it seems like they have an ethno state. Like the Scots Irish are the people you can be like. I mean, obviously, you can't be racist towards English people, no matter what. White yeah, English people, course. you cannot be racist to mm. them. Like, you can be like, I fucking hate all <laughs> English, British, white people. And, like, that's not a racist statement. It's it's a statement of fact. Yeah, it's a, <laughs> it's a statement of, like, self-preservation. Yeah. Like, it's, anytime you've been, anytime anyone in any culture has been like, oh, let's uh, let the British come over here, like... 9.999 times out of 10, it has not ended well for them. No. Like, so you can't invite the British. And they're like vampires. Mm. You don't invite them into your home. Yeah. Because once you invite them in, they're there to stay. And now Prince Harry lives here, right? Yeah. He's sucking so, the blood out of America yeah, like very, a fucking British vampire. Yeah, we got one of the one of the main leeches that live here now. Uh, so the royal leech. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, I, I love how he's like, oh, we, we're denouncing the British phone. Yeah. It's like, yeah, and then maybe fucking like, yeah, just uh, don't take media interviews about being a, like a, an heir to the British throne. Like, don't yeah. don't do that. Like, if don't take the media attention. Like, yeah. you're using it to further your and your wife's career to do your fucking whatever reality TV show, reality or TV show on. I think they're Netflix or some dog shit like mm. that. It's like, no, no, you're just playing <laughs> it up and you're playing the. Oh well, we we've got to abolish the monarchy, but I'm gonna still be a figurehead, just in a different <laughs> way. Of I'm gonna be the the figurehead of Britain for abolishing the monarchy yeah, yeah. as a monarchist. I'm like, no, dude, no, it's <laughs> it's not you. You're not the one who can do this. You're not the one who should be doing this. Mm-hmm. Like, no, no, thanks. You also think they're letting him do it because like of that rumor that he's not actually Prince Charles' son. I mean, he doesn't look like him. No, he looks no. like uh like her uh, Diana's um. Uh, yeah, uh, of the fucking horse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because of uh, horse trainer or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's pictures, and you're like, what? Because like, fucking Charles is a mess. He looks uh, absurdly British, and like yes. very unfortunately so. Yes. And so does his son. Yes. The one we know is his son. Mm-hmm. Uh, he looks just like him, but yeah. like uh, Harry, right? Um. So no, Charles. Uh, yeah, sorry, oh, Charles. So yeah, no. No. What, no. what was his name? I don't. I don't fucking. I, can't I don't care. <laughs> You know, the one who looks like him, the one who actually like still has hair in his like 40s. Yeah. There's no way, no fucking way that's mm-hmm. his son. No. They can't, those two cannot have the same genetics no. unless it's like a Star Trek prodigy, <laughs> prodigy situation where one of them literally has every recessive gene. Yes. <laughs> and it's not the one that left the monarchy. No. <laughs> it's definitely the, the one with like that looks goofy as hell. Yeah. And I mean, he has a natural hairline. Those, unless they're yeah. like the best plugs on mm-hmm. in the world, money can buy, which is, could be possible. Could be possible. Who knows? Who knows? Um, what's going on with you in uh, old Star Trek this week? You watch, uh, watch any old Star Trek recently besides the episode you're forced to watch? Mm, no, not really. I just watched uh, uh, the White Lotus. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. That was pretty good. So, uh, that's what I call a bleached butthole. <laughs> <laughs> the ah, uh, the white lotus is in bloom. Mm, <laughs> mm, fragrant. <laughs> it's one of those lotuses that smell like dead bodies. <laughs> Let the bodies hit the flow. Let the bodies hit the flow. Let the bodies hit the flow. Uh, yeah. So uh, that's cool. I've been watching a lot of uh, old Trek lately. Lot, mm. Lots of DS Nine. Lots of Martok. Yeah, those are the best episodes. They really are. It's it's great. Like everyone fucking loves Martok. Yeah. Like everyone loves Martok. Mm-hmm. Even like the episode where Worf like challenges him, uh, fucking soldiers of the Empire, mm-hmm. where he like challenges him for command of the ship because like 
Martok is all shell shocked and mm-hmm. he has PTSD and he's gone soft. Mm-hmm. But then, like through battle and through almost killing Worf, <laughs> he like regains his like ability to kill. Yeah, he, well, he yeah, he just <laughs> it's it's how Martok got his groove back, mm-hmm. and it's fucking incredible. That's a good meme. Yeah, Ooh, that's a that's a good point. <laughs> but then then at the end, he invites uh, Worf into the house of Martok. Yeah. And, only, only the real ones cry at that. Oh, yeah, yeah, I, I it's def- true. I might have rewound it just to cry <laughs> it again. Maybe, maybe twice, they, maybe three times. Who they knows? do have an, they do have an incredible bromance. They really because do. like they're like the only two honorable um, Klingons in the entire Empire. Basically, right. like you, you think you think Gowron has some like when he first takes over Chancellorship, you're like, okay, yeah, okay, I can get on board with Gowron, but mm-hmm. you know what? Gowron has a, no honor. Gowron's a bitch. He's a little bitch. That's right. Calling calling Gowron out. Calling Gowron out. <laughs> you know? No glory to him or his house. Mm-hmm. All glory to the house of Martok. Exactly. I mean, the true leaders. And that's one thing I really do love about DS9 is like it 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 shows like very definitively like the seats of power and exactly how they mm-hmm. control things. And like mm-hmm. there's there's such thing as like true power in so mm-hmm. many situations. And like you know, eventually both the Klingon Empire and the Ferengi Empire end up in, like, the most benevolent hands mm-hmm. that people raised in that society could possibly be in. You got your uh, your Grand Negus Rom, mm-hmm. and you got your Chancellor Martok, both yeah. of whom are, like, the best examples that their, you know, their culture is not a monoculture, mm-hmm. and that, like, good leadership can lead the way to a better future. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, we fucking love that. Yeah. We fucking it, love that. Yeah. Zach did start to come around. Yeah. Like... But yeah, but it, but he needed to. I feel like he only came around after like, fucking Rom and um, uh, uh, Quark went on like five capers to have to save his life. Yeah, because he kept on like fucking up, and he's like, maybe maybe this job's not for me anymore. <laughs> and then he got sloppy toppy from Moogie, and that's when oh, he really started. That's... Oh, what are you doing? I... What are you doing with your mouth? That's inconceivable. <laughs> I mean... uh, by the way, I'm uncircumcised. <laughs> And that's always true. Like that's true in real life because you see like like incel people with like really shitty opinions, mm-hmm. and they're just like awful. Like like they're you know they have the most inhuman type personalities, and then they get laid, and then suddenly their whole perspective on life changes. And yeah, like, straight and up, so it it's will. Like, it will. Yeah, like getting laid is the best is the best cure for conservatism. Like, straight, straight, <laughs> like the the meme, what no pussy does to a motherfucker. Yeah, is like one of the most like true things it's, yeah it's really weird absolutely. like what no pussy does to a motherfucker mm-hmm. and i mean i mean pussy universally like everyone yeah. i mean like getting getting laid everyone has their own getting laid you mm-hmm. know maybe you're getting laid is having a big big strong lady fucking peg you with a double klingon dick <laughs> or sometimes just eating a eating a sandwich yeah, maybe or 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 eating doing a half and half, eating yeah. half the sandwich and lubing up the other half, sticking your dick in it. <laughs> exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Make it a make it a real sloppy Joe. Yeah. A real sloppy Joseph. Being getting laid is totally totally in your mind. It can be whatever you want it to be. Straight up, like you know, I mean, getting laid is like getting pussy. Mm-hmm. Is um is succeeding. Yes. That's uh, that's at least for me. In the way that, you know, everyone agrees on a different symbology in their life and uh, understands a different symbology. Klingons will will contextualize everything in a battle. Mm-hmm. Right? And uh everything is like, you know, uh for for these people their battle is time. They're fighting mm-hmm. against the clock and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. like you know, for me everything's getting pussy. 
Yeah, it's true. It's like, well, what kind of pussy is it? It's like mm-hmm. sometimes, you know, your boss is like, hey, I'm sorry, you have to stay like an extra four hours. And you're like, man, this pussy sucks. <laughs> this is the worst pussy I've ever gotten. This is mm-hmm. like some dog shit pussy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this is like some dog pussy. <laughs> <laughs> this is some dog gussy. <laughs> dog gussy. <laughs> what that dog gussy do? Ruff, ruff. <laughs> looks like it's barking. Oh, it's foaming at the mouth. <laughs> Uh-oh, uh-oh, it's eating a toddler. <laughs> it's eating a toddler. Uh-oh. Oh, wait, no, no, it's spitting the toddler out. Okay, oh, that's that's birth. All right, all right. <laughs> <laughs> That's what that dog goes to do. That's what that dog goes to do. You get birth. Yeah, get birth. reverse pit bull. <laughs> uh, pit bull, the dog for when you really regret not having an abortion. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so um, Martok, Martok rules. That's all. Martok rules. DS9 rules. But you know what? We're not reviewing DS9 this week. What are we, no. we reviewing? Doing TNG. Let's dive right in, baby. Let's get into it. episode we got last week corresponded to tng episode or sorry season four episode 17 night terrors mm. uh, released on march 18th 1991 this one's written by jerry taylor uh, hmm. iconic uh, yeah. fucking producer uh i mean like showrunner of voyager for seasons four five and six mm. Uh, also, like co-showrunner and executive producer for the first several seasons, mm-hmm. uh, she just became, I think, a consulting producer on the last season. When I want to say uh, Braga took over, Brenda Frick Braga. Mm. Um, you know, I- icon Jerry yeah. Taylor, icon in the scene mm-hmm. everywhere, and uh, also Pamela Douglas co-wrote this, and this is her only script for any Trek franchise ever. Wow, that's real. Yeah, that's that's. That makes sense after you watch the episode. Yeah, because it, yeah, it's very kind of unlike it. Yeah, it's kind of cool, like space horror. Yeah, it doesn't really. Yeah, I'm not sure it fits in exactly mm-hmm. with the the Trek world. They could have, I think, made some concessions to make it fit in better, but they didn't really do that. But we'll yeah. talk about that. So, mm-hmm. uh, this one is directed by Les Landau, who is an, also an absolute legend in the scene. Uh, who did uh, 20 episodes of TNG, directed 20 mm-hmm. of them, 14 of DS9, nine mm-hmm. of Voyager, and one of Enterprise. Mm-hmm. Um, he directed the Klingon Challenge VHS board game as well. Oh, sick. Yeah, he was the director of that, which yeah. is awesome. So <laughs> yeah. he's a fucking legend in Star Trek. Yeah, like, yeah. Absolute legend. <laughs> Les Landau. For some reason, I didn't know his name up until now, but mm. I don't remember Les Landau because yeah. that is a legend in the scene. Any relation to Martin Landau? <laughs> no. I, I actually did look that up. Interesting. Not, not related. Well, that's good. So no relation to uh, Max either. <laughs> I guess not. Yeah. All right, so... um. We start out with a captain's log. Stardate 44631.2. We are proceeding through the rim of an uncharted binary star system where we may have located the USS Britain. Mm. That's me. That's my name. (laughs) That's your name. Uh, The missing science vessel failed to arrive at its destination and has not been heard from since a distress call 29 days ago. So... 
The USS Enterprise-D is given orders to find a lost Starfleet vessel, USS Britain. Uh, the ship failed to arrive at its destination and has not been heard of for 29 days now. They uh, approach the Miranda-class ship Drift in an unexplained binary star system. They beam on board uh, an away team consisting of Riker, Data, Worf, Crusher, and Troy uh, to find the entire crew murdered. Mm -hmm. And uh, fucking, like, everyone is aghast. Riker's like, what the hell? Yeah, and they are, they're all really just, like, blown to bits and stabbed in very creative ways. Yeah, and they, they it's obviously, like, they all fucked each other up. And there was, like, yeah. a, a Klingon-esque battle up in there. Mm -hmm. Like, even Worf yeah. is like, what? <laughs> yeah. Which, yeah, there's, like, a giant sword or something sticking out of yeah. the captain's chest. And I, I think someone stabbed in the head, I yeah. want to say, which is sick as yeah. fuck. Worf is like, someone used used uh, Phaser Blast 7 or something on. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, it looks like <laughs> level 7 through 9 or something like that. Yeah. 7 of 9. Ha, 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 ha. Uh, so, uh, they find the entire crew fucking mutilated, uh, except for one Betasoid, Andrus uh, Hagen, who is hiding in, like, a little fucking storage area. Mm -hmm. And he's, like, hyperventilating, and he's obviously, like, completely fucked up. Real yeah. PTSD. Uh, the Britain's scientific officer is who he is. And, um, yeah, he's he's pretty much just catatonic. Was he was he the uh, was he in Starfleet or was he just a visiting science officer? I don't know. I don't because he, he wasn't in uniform. He wasn't, but yeah. I I feel like a, several people were in uniform mm -hmm. on there. So I don't know. Could have been. Might have not been. I don't think. It, yeah, I don't think it gave him a uh, a rank. But mm -hmm. then again, he could have been like non commissioned as well. Yeah, so. that's true. You never know. Yeah. So in sick bay, Doctor Crusher informs Picard that some of the Pertain's crew were found barricaded in their quarters. And some found in the ship's corridors who uh, obviously fought in hand-to-hand -hand close quarters combat. They identify Hagen, but Counselor Troy can't get through to him. Uh, as Crusher and Picard leave, however, she hears him describe voices out there telepathically. Well. So she's, uh, you know, as as we've discussed before, she's only half Betazoid. So mm -hmm. she can, like, hear the thoughts of other Betazoids, but not other people. Mm -hmm. uh, she can only, like, feel strong emotions from other people. Mm -hmm. So... He can hear, uh, or she can hear him all the way, but he may not be able to hear her all the way. We're not quite sure. Uh, well, I think she they, can communicate perfectly they, they, yeah, with other, yeah. They, they, they seem to be able to communicate, but, you know. But he's, can't. like, also just, like, completely, he's lost his mind. Yeah, exactly. So she can't, like, like another Betazoid could, like, you know, like, basically mind meld with him mm -hmm. and, like, you know, find out exactly what's going on. But she can, if he's willing to, they can, like, talk back and forth. Mm -hmm. so. Can you imagine if she was like full Betazoid and could just read everybody's thoughts, like how ridiculously overpowered she would be? <laughs> yeah, that would be cool, actually. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, Luxwana is the most overpowered uh, character in all of Star Trek, true. as we know. So. She's like the Professor X. She is. She's <laughs> like, like, how do you fucking beat that? Mm -hmm. You don't. Yeah. I mean, you let that beat you, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> squirt, 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 squirt. <laughs> and generally she does beat him off oh yeah i bet i bet she's got a crazy mouth game yeah yeah imagine right. what that tongue can do that's that's why she was all into odo she's just like uh -huh. like the like he like like really can get as long as it wants it's like you know <laughs> i used to be a sword swallower odo. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> literally a negative gag reflex mm -hmm. I gag when there's nothing down there. <laughs> Odo is what she's been training for her entire life. <laughs> she was just like, she's like, finally, the end of my life. I found, I found the greatest challenge. <laughs> this is my grail. <laughs> this is my <laughs> this is how I win. This is how I win. Um. So yeah, uh, 
So, aboard the Bretagne, Data, LaForge, and Commander Riker unsuccessfully try from the bridge to figure out the engine malfunctions aboard the Bretagne so the ship can get to the nearest starbase. They attempt to fire up the engines, but they will not engage, to Geordi's confusion. By the way, buy our Geordi vision shirt. Yeah. Crusher reports to Picard in his ready room that there is no indication of a psychological or physiological disease based on the autopsies of the crew, leaving the growing madness on board the Bretagne, as detailed in the last log entry of Captain Chantal Zavega, unexplained. She had her first officer, Commander Brink, quote-unquote, eliminated for mutiny. Uh, all 34 of the crew killed each other with no alien presence detected. It's pretty fucked up. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's crazy that they that they were able to just, like, destroy them all, des- destroy each other completely, so they'd leave, leave no survivors. I mean, one except survivor. For, well, except for that one guy who just yeah, went yeah. completely. So you think he was, like, the... Like, it was kind of like a battle royale where he was the victor. Do you think, or do you think he didn't participate or just went insane? Um, I think he was taking a poo when, <laughs> when shit broke out and, like, mm. he got done and he's like, and he, he's walking out and he's like, you will not believe the deuce I just, home improvement will not be back. <laughs> So, uh, I mean, 34 people, what's, uh, that's like a, you know, a contingent of like a grocery store staff. Yeah. Yeah. Or I mean, like when we were working at Whole Foods, basically the kitchen staff. Yeah. (laughs) That was such a huge operation. It was dumb. Yeah. That was a very small crew compliment. Like, uh, like, uh, but yeah, like 34 is small. That's like a third of Voyager. Yeah. Yeah. But they weren't, yeah, but they were like, what, what was the class of their ship? Um, uh, was it Saratoga? I forget. Um, yeah, yeah, it was much smaller than um the Galaxy class. Miranda class. Yeah, Miranda class. Miranda yeah, class. so it was a bit of a smaller one. Mm-hmm. The bridge even was like very, very small. It was, it like, was a tiny bridge. It yeah. seemed like kind of almost seemed like the Enterprise bridge. Even smaller than that, I'd yeah. say. Yeah, it was a very tiny bridge. Mm-hmm. Um, so Crusher reports to Picard in his ready room that there is no indication of a. Oh no, already did that. Uh, In the meantime, Counselor Troy has entered a rather intense dream. Spoken to by an unidentified voice, she asks the speaker, where are you? Uh, The voice repeats the phrase, eyes in the dark, (laughs) and one moon circles. As uh, Troy, in like a, I don't know, sky full of purple clouds. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know how to describe this. It's kind of dumb. I mean, it's very dumb. Um, uh, but Troy is drawn towards two lights that are like up in the sky and she's like flying mm-hmm. and it like keeps on showing the shot of like her butt and mm-hmm. it just looks super awkward. It definitely looks like she's being, um, uh, like on wires. Yeah. It, it does so much because like, she's not like, if you were just flying, like you just be like, you're standing like up straight. Right. Yeah. But she's like kind of bending a little bit. Like mm-hmm. her, her legs are being brought down by gravity. Yeah. It just looks bad. It looks very bad, and it looks very dumb. Yeah, she doesn't look like she's actually like, uh, like floating through the air effortlessly. Yeah, just like, ugh. Mm-hmm. but I think she, I think she was sick or something during that that yeah, scene. That would make sense. So yeah. eyes in the dark, one moon circles. Uh, Troy is drawn towards the two lights uh, that are reminiscent of the binary star system, 
in which the Enterprise is currently stationed. Mm-hmm. Crazy. Uh, Captain's Log, Stardate 44635.8. Four days have passed, but we have made little progress in solving the mystery of the Bretagne. I've decided we should return to Starbase 220, and to that end, Commander LaForge is rigging the Bretagne for towing. Uh, on the Bretagne, LaForge has to reassure Ensign Peoples, who is uh, just some guy who, I don't know if we ever see him again. Do you remember Peoples from No, he's, yeah, he's definitely just like a, like he's, an Ensign that shows up. and Yeah, he's not like a red shirt. They don't like kill him off, but he's just like a mm. random guy. Yeah, and all the um, all the uh, ensigns uniforms are are distinctly different in this episode. They are, that? yeah, yeah. Like the collars uh, has a collar as a different collar and a um, zipper on the front of the uh, of the uniform. Um, but Jordy has to reassure peoples uh, who ensign people. Sorry, not multiple people uh, who apparently heard some noises when no one was there, acknowledging that the thirty four dead people found aboard would make anyone uneasy. Mm-hmm. Would that make you uneasy? Yeah, probably. I mean, would I'd... you would you buy a, or rent a, like a haunted house where a bunch of people were killed? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, me too. Yeah, but I, I did see like on uh, yesterday. I did see like an accident on the way to work that some people definitely were like cut in half or something. Oh yeah, yeah. It was like someone I guess went underneath like one of the, um, an Amazon delivery trailer. Oh like, no. So like, and like the front of the car was completely like wedged underneath and like lifted up the side of the trailer. So I was like, Oh yeah, no one survived that drive safe out there. People. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a big, it's a big, bad thing to happen. Yeah. Dying in a car accident. That sucks. Yeah. The worst way to go. I mean, not the worst way. There's much worse ways to go, but oh, it's yeah. like pretty fast and convenient. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Hopefully it happened so fast. They didn't feel it. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, there was probably just like a, like two seconds worth of adrenaline and then they, their brain became their feet. Yes. <laughs> yeah, but it definitely unsettled me a little, and I was like, ooh, I'm mm-hmm. on my way to work. So, yeah, I can imagine being in, in a in a, in a spaceship in the middle, of, you know, uh, drifting out in the middle of nowhere, you know, far from, far from the Federation. Um, there's from no the Federation. traffic in space, though. So, yeah. I mean, there's no Amazon can... trucks to run, run you <laughs> yeah. over in space. But you're complete, no Teslas to but fucking run over pedestrians. But, but you're completely isolated inside of a, inside of a, basically a coffin that just housed 34 dead bodies. That's true. Yeah. That's pretty hot. <laughs> I'm going to masturbate to that idea later. Yeah. A floating coffin of 34 bodies in space. Ooh. That's what daddy likes. Yeah, sexy sarcophagus. <laughs> Sex coffin. Sex coffagus. So on the Enterprise, uh, conflict is spreading all over the ship. Uh, when Keiko O'Brien enters uh, Miles' quarters, she and Miles quarrel during which Miles displays a great deal of envy towards one of his co-workers, uh, one of Keiko's co-workers, Tom Corbin. Mm. Uh, which, I mean, this is like, we already know about, uh, oh, what was, Sapporo, right? Mm-hmm. Like, there's multiple people that fucking Miles O'Brien is very jealous of. He's which I don't of, know why. He's like the best dude. I know. He's he's the best dude, and he dicks down hard. Mm-hmm. We know this. We yeah, know and also shows that he's a humble king. He is. And, and like he you know and, he's, and he's the most important person in Starfleet yeah. history, motherfucker. Yeah, he, you know, he kinda you know, he, he he you know, he has he has a he's very humble, you know, he does he's you know, he's like, Well of course, you know, of course I could be left at any moment. I'm just a guy. But he doesn't realize how special he really is. He really is the most special man. <laughs> he's our special boy. He's yeah. our special boy. When we say our special boy, 
We mean the very special boy. <laughs> or we could be talking about Rom. Oh yeah, Rom. Rom's, kind of Rom's a special, special boy. boy. Yeah, He's definitely special. Yeah, I mean he, but I mean I think he became special because like he was an O'Brien in training. That's true. He, yeah. yeah, he is. <laughs> he really is. Rom is like he is a Ferengi who decided to be a tortured Irishman instead. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's like, uh, I'm converting <laughs> to Irishman. <laughs> yeah, like like O'Brien was the master and and Rom was the Padawan. Oh, I hope he doesn't have to like kill him. Oh, yeah, maybe. Like, uh, so so he's, he's <laughs> Darth O'Brien. Darth O'Brien. <laughs> Darth Rom. I like that. Darth Union Man. <laughs> um, go, uh, go pre-order our Union Man shirt. Pre-order it on the Enterprise. No, already read that. Already read that one, motherfucker. <laughs> uh, so O'Brien leaves the quarters and enters ten forward to blow off some steam and get fucking drunk like an Irishman does. Yep. Uh, where he is warned by Chief Gillespie, who uh, we've seen in another episode or two, I think, right? I, I feel like I remember Chief Gillespie from elsewhere. I feel like I would remember an Italian on, on Starfleet. Oh, that's true. <laughs> I mean, I'm looking out for the, the, the English and the, the Scottish. You're looking out for, because like, I'm, 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 well, I am English. Shit. <laughs> Fuck. Oh, damn it. Fuck. Son of a bitch. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm just like, you know, Italians, they got their whiteness so recently that I don't feel comfortable. Like. You know, I feel like mm-hmm. that's punching like down ish, <laughs> but the British is always punching. Oh up. yeah, yeah. The British is always punching up. You can't. It's always funny to make fun of the British. Plus, you don't see too many Italians in in a Star Trek series. That's true. They don't make it to pizza pie so much in space, do they? No. Or to Mitabala. No, not at all. Yeah, there's no. There's there hasn't been one single like offensive Italian stereotype episode you know we have as we were talking about we have the scottish planet there should be an italian planet there, there, <laughs> there should there should be okay that's what we need we need a, a very specifically italian yeah. starship captain yeah where you know you know how picard has like engage yeah. like he has to be like let's go let's go <laughs> oh mamma mia <laughs> Meet the ball. Like every- that could be the name of their planet that they have it's called <laughs> called the Me- pl- meatball <laughs> it's, it's the big meatball from the sun third, third meatball from the sun third meatball from the sun hey book it a beepo uh book it beppo <laughs> that's i i still don't believe that's a real name for a restaurant yeah you know what it means uh Big fat dicks. Joe's basement. What? Yeah. What? Or Joe's cellar? Yeah, something like that. I don't like that at all. Yeah. Or Joe's garage. The um, the the fucking Frank Zappa albums. Yeah. Frank Zappa reference. <laughs> that's how you know we're white. <laughs> um, that's the Klingon word of the day. Buka de Beepo. <laughs> Joe's Joe's basement. <laughs> uh, Buka de Beppo. Kapla. Kapla. <laughs> Um, so on the Enterprise, uh, no, already read that like twice now. Uh, so Chief Gillespie, the Italian in space, the single Italian in Italian in in (laughs) space, the single Italian in in Starfleet. (laughs) There's no other Italians. Uh, So O'Brien brushes the warning off, dismissing it as ghost stories after Gillespie is like, hey. Shit's going weird around here. You've been noticing it. Everyone's acting weird, yourself included. Brian's like, maybe you should suck my fucking dick. Pizza, <laughs> yeah. pizza pie man. 
like, if, I wanted your li- man? if I wanted your lip, I'd take it off my zipper. Oh, shit. And he's like, <laughs> pizza pie man, is that any way to speak to me, you, you drunk Irishman? And he's like, <laughs> excuse me? And he's like, well, you're drunk and you're an Irishman. And he's like, oh, that's fair. Yeah, well, how about my fist hit your eye like the big pizza pie? <laughs> <laughs> that's a more. That's a more, motherfucker. Uh, so <laughs> in the meantime, Picard is, is in his ready room, uh, but he's not ready. So why no. is he in there? That's that's a good question, right? Yeah. You you shouldn't be allowed in your ready room unless you're ready. Mm-hmm. I, although I guess it's to get ready. Yeah. But like that should be your room, right? Everyone has to use their regular room to get ready for work. Mm-hmm. Picard already has the biggest room on the fucking ship. He has his own fucking yacht. He has a captain's yacht. Yeah. And, and he's he got his also own... got has a ready room? Yeah, he has a little office. Why? He's he's the captain. I guess. Yeah, that's too much room for one man. Yeah. Like, I, I honestly, I feel like the, the captain's yacht especially stratifies the captain too much away from the, the, the common people. Yeah. The captain should not be able to have a, his own yacht that only he gets to use, really. Yeah. That's not cool. Because no. No, one, no one else has ever taken He's never like, oh, of course, Riker, take the, take the captain's yacht to Risa. Show it off. <laughs> He's never done that. You know, no, probably not. Although that well, would be the broest move of all time. At least that we've seen. I mean, that I'm, would be the broest move of all time. I, I, I imagine that it's used for special occasions, for uh, uh, diplomatic things. Yeah. How is a a an in, intergalactic orgy not a <laughs> special occasion and that's a true. diplomatic uh, occasion? I mean, that's why he would send Riker in those kind of situations. hundred percent. He wants to send his best. Oh yeah. He's he's <laughs> an ambassador of Dong, my friend. Mm-hmm. Just like when Riker tells him, you know, it's like. Like you will always stay on the ship, and I will be the one to go into this, uh, put myself into the into into harm's way, and he, that even includes like uh, orgies. He's a stunt dick. Yeah, <laughs> I'm trying to think about how to use the like ambassador Spock. There's an ass in there, right? Mm-hmm. Ass, but not cock. I wish I could get <laughs> cock. Out. Amb- Ambassador cock. Ambassador Cock. Yeah. Ambassador Cock. <laughs> yeah, why not? Just go for that. Why not? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, Commander Cock. There we go. Yeah, Samander Cock. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so, in the meantime, Picard is in his unearned ready room mm-hmm. <laughs> when the door chimes. He says, come. Uh, and then it chimes again and he goes, come. Mm-hmm. And it uh, chimes again and he goes, Come, uh, but no one enters, and yet the chimes keep going. So he finally goes to the door, and uh, no one's there. Uh, that he knows it's fucking Riker around the corner playing Ding Dong Ditch. <laughs> you do, you crazy motherfucker, Riker. Do you think they ever have like little goofy moments like that where they're just like fucking around with each other? I'm I'm sure. Like, there's so many <laughs> scenes where like fucking Riker and Deanna are just like suppressing laughter. Mm. There has to be a lot of that, and like. If you watch, there's gag reels that are, like, actually pretty long from, mm-hmm. like, all of the seasons of TNG, except for the first one, because everyone was miserable. Yeah. But, like, they get progressively longer and funnier, which is, like, how you know, like, everyone in the cast likes each other, and it's, like, mm-hmm. a very cohesive, like, crew that's, like, a family. Whereas, like, you watch the Discovery gag reels, and they are <laughs> painful. Well, didn't you say, like, the one that's coming out in the new and the new DVDs, uh... There's only three minutes long. <laughs> yeah, it's it's three minutes long. It's they have a fucking and it's either so there's there's a couple choices here. 
the actors are so perfect. They get everything correct every single time. Mm-hmm. All right, there's that. Number two, they literally deleted everything that wasn't used in the final cut of the show, which is insane. Yeah. Uh, three, uh, they had a bunch of the footage, but like none of it was nearly funny or interesting enough to actually put on onto a DVD. Well, they couldn't include it because like whenever Anthony Rapp messes up a scene, he chokes a dog to death. <laughs> <laughs> so like they're just like yeah. he calls it Kevin Spacey. He's like, "Fuck you, Kevin. Fuck you." <laughs> And then that by, and as, a, as, a, as a result, everyone's like perfect. <laughs> like, when, like they don't want to see another dog get choked to death. was like, "Gosh, that's the sixth one this week." Oh my god, <laughs> guys, go, we got to practice this and make it perfect. Sonequa <laughs> uh, Martin Green is like, "What is he doing to those dogs? <laughs> yeah, where is he getting them from? Who keeps bringing oh, them dogs? So many dogs! <laughs> I can't stop the whispering." <laughs> Uh, so, um, we don't actually know if he does that. <laughs> no, he does. <laughs> he definitely, does. He definitely I does. I mean, you're not setting yourself up from for slander, but yeah. I have a lawyer on retainer. <laughs> yeah. Anthony Rapp, star to star of stage and screen. Uh, you were fantastic in the movie Rent, by the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you're a dog killer. Come after <laughs> me for slander, motherfucker. I challenge you. <laughs> We I, I, we do love Anthony Rapp though. He yeah. doesn't actually kill dogs. Yeah, he good. He's good. That we know of. That we he, know of. I mean, you know, on on camera. <laughs> on camera. That's what I'm. That's what I'm saying. He's never done it on camera. That mm-hmm. we know of. Yeah. That we've seen. That, that we've seen. They, they will include in the. <laughs> I mean, all the footage has been, has been destroyed. Obviously. Oh, he he literally eats the camera footage <laughs> yeah. to make sure no one ever sees it. He's like, you know, I'm a bottom. This is all I can eat. If he sees anyone <laughs> recording on their phone, he breaks the phone. <laughs> and eats it. And eats <laughs> it. <laughs> you know, bottoms only eat electronics, right? Mm-hmm. And fiber pills. Burns coming out. <laughs> oh, yeah. All that lithium. <laughs> uh, so go- the door continues to chime even after he uh, sees that no one's there. And finally, someone knocks. And at the door are Troy and Crusher. And Troy's wearing her uh, her uniform that's like a dress mm-hmm. that is like very unprofessional. Yeah. Very unprofessional. Who's <laughs> wearing a... No, 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 no. No, Jellico was right. She needs to wear her goddamn uniform. She's yeah. going on away missions. She's representing the goddamn Enterprise. And people are going to be like, so who do you work for? Because... Mm-hmm. It makes sense in the context of like Major Kira because she's still working for the Bajorans. Yeah. Or Odo because he's still working for the Bajorans. Yep. Or he works for like the station or whatever, yeah. technically. And so, like. That's why I don't get why they were so shitty to uh, Ro Lauren about her earring. Right? Especially, yeah, because they're like, yeah, they're like, well, we we won't make a religious exemption. However, for Deanna Troy, we will make a, hey, she looks pretty hot in that exemption. And uh, Worf can wear his thing because he's Worf. <laughs> <laughs> That's also like a religious exemption, but th- for yeah. her, literally, she's like, it's literally part of my religion, and they're like, hmm, mm. you're gonna have to fill out some forms. Yeah, <laughs> where it's like, Worf, good to go. Where's the fucking Boy was, Scouts at? Plus, was Riker being shitty to Ro Lauren about it too? It's like, and Riker is like, you know, he's all, you know, he's all mm-hmm. about Deanna. So, he's- and also like, uh, like, not many Klingons wear sashes. No, they don't. No. Like, Worf's one of the only ones. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's not like a Klingon thing. It's like, he's like, well, I want people to, like, know that I represent this culture. It's like, mm-hmm. dog, you're the only Klingon in Starfleet. <laughs> yeah. 
I think I know. <laughs> it's kind of weird they haven't included any more Klingons since. Have they not? I feel like there was oh, one in besides, Lower Decks. Oh, besides, besides Belana. Yeah, Belana, And I feel like there was one in Lower Decks, too, wasn't it? Was there? I feel like there was one. Well, there like there the was an episode season. that kind of had like a Klingon Lower Deck episode. Like, uh, like uh, it was like on the Klingon ship. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah that's true. Um, I don't know. Um, yeah, there have been a couple. but Yeah, yeah I guess just like Worf and Belana, and Belana's half Klingon. Yeah, I feel like the, the problem is like... Um, Alex Kurtzman and I'm sure like Brian Fuller, a, a few people made a decision about Klingons that made it difficult to bring Klingons back. And so yeah. they haven't really. Yeah. <laughs> They've kind of straight up, like it's weird, like because Klingons. There's zero and discovery after they go to the future. Which is really strange, right? Yeah. Like, like, <laughs> like they were. Did, did they kill all the Klingons? <laughs> is that what happened? Yeah, there's like no Klingons in any background scenes at all. Yeah, which you figure like there would. Especially because the fucking Klingon Empire and the Federation have a fucking, like, a truce mm. for so long after, like, the Dominion War. Mm. Like, you figure that, you know, maybe there would be a lot of interbreeding and a lot more people like, you know, Bellana Taurus. Yeah. Uh, you figure that you'd see that a lot, but you don't, which yeah. is weird. Yeah, more Kling or yeah, just Klingons coming to live on Earth it, or something. It is strange in Discovery how 900 years in the future, there's still not a lot of like mixed races. No, isn't that weird? And they touch on that in like in um, Enterprise, you know, when mm -hmm. they when that one person comes from the future. I think we did that episode when the when they when there's yeah, yeah, like, yeah. when there's the um uh the person comes from the future and they mm -hmm. are like, well, this person has like, like all the DNA of everybody. Yeah, of everybody. Because and they were even like less from the future than than fucking yeah. a Discovery went to because they, they were only like what 29th century, and didn't Discovery go to 31st or something? Yeah, because like, like yeah, because like uh, they say like um. I think there is a throwaway line, like where um, uh, the dude from the Mummy <laughs> in Discovery says that they're. Oh yeah, a, a, this is after the temporal. The admiral. The, after the temporal temporal wars. I do not like that guy. Yeah, yeah, he kind of sucks. He's yeah, he's he, he <laughs> like I, I just don't really like how the actor plays him uh, yeah. very much. Like uh, most of the acting, he on was much show better in Deuce Bigelow, Male Gigolo. Oh, definitely. Like <laughs> I, I do like David Cronenberg and what he does on the show. Yeah. Uh, he's been a nice addition. However, like the show, like who, who woof. woof, 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 woof. I'm near the end of the third season, and all I gotta say is woof. <laughs> Maybe I'll do I don't know a wrap up with that or something on my own. <clears throat> yeah. Who cares? Who knows? We'll see. So, at the door of uh, the ready room are Troy and Crusher. Uh, they say that the occurrences of violence aboard the Enterprise are continuing to escalate. Picard gives the order to tractor the USS Bertain and move away from the area, only to have the ensign forget the control. He was like, I don't remember how to do it. Yeah. And so he was like, get the replacement. And he's got got a guy like fucking ready right there mm -hmm. to fucking take over for him. Like, when did, well, since when did they have a guy just like sitting over in the corner? That's weird. Yeah, he was doing something else. I guess. Um, so he uh, gives the order to uh, have the guy replace him. Mm -hmm. And the guy uh, engages the tractor beam. Um, uh, but uh, the at that point, all of the propulsion systems begin to fail, rendering the Enterprise unable to move, just like the Pertain. Yeah, they no. are adrift. Captain's log, stardate 44639.9. The Enterprise has now been adrift for a total of 10 days. We have sent subspace distress calls, but because of our distant location, we cannot expect a response for at least another two weeks. That sucks. Yeah. I would hate to be adrift. I mean, 
they still have life support systems and whatever. So, mm-hmm. I mean, they can, they're still fine. They're still in just a giant hotel in the sky. Yeah. But, like, I don't know. Being aboard a, a, with a crew of, what, like, two or three hundred, mm. <laughs> I, I would get tired of everybody quickly. It, it is kind of weird that they don't put too much in place for, like, kind of any sort of redundancy, like having sort of backup. Mm-hmm. Like that, you know, just like kind of having in close proximity to re- to uh, respond to any ship that goes on such like a long distance mm-hmm. mission. Cause you think like, okay, well this this uh, the Britain mysteriously disappeared, or mysteriously became unresponsive. Like, yeah, at the, at should... the same time, it kind of makes sense because I think at this point they're probably in unincorporated space, mm. so they have no right to put anything anywhere until mm. they know who like occupies the space around it because oh, they're, yeah. they're still in a in an exploratory phase at this point so they're still in space that has basically never been explored before mm-hmm. um and so you know it could be someone else's space and they're still doing first contacts out there they don't know if they're going to be encroaching on a civilization if they just put up a space station mm-hmm. nearby and, you know there's a lot of things to consider they could be you know like uh for instance if uh there was a planet in our solar system say that you know they needed they wanted to put like a fucking subspace relay by mm-hmm. like that would break the prime directive cuz we could see it with our equipment easily yeah. uh you know even though you know they don't think it would be a big deal it could be a big deal okay so federation for that reason i think only puts stuff like subspace relays and stuff within federation space or space that they have you know found out is completely mm-hmm. unincorporated That makes sense. That's my thinking, at least. Anyway, (laughs) uh, in the observation lounge, Data reports that it is actually trapped inside a space-time anomaly known as Tychon's Rift, uh, named after the Methulsian captain named Bella Tychon, who had escaped a similar rift by detonating his cargo of uh, anasirium and uryum. Urium. Bela, by the way, is actually a Dutch name. Mm. So apparently he was Methulsian and Dutch. (laughs) It's the name of uh, the the best banjo player in the world, Bela Fleck. Oh, really? Yes. Highly recommended to anyone who Mm. uh, likes music of any kind because he plays like literally everything. Oh, wow. He's even played like metal. (laughs) I've seen him uh, fret a Bach concerto on his banjo with his nose. (laughs) <laughs> it was it was i mean he's he's the most incredible musician i've ever seen in my life dude is fucking he's been um awarded the banjo player of the year award by like banjo magazine like every year for like 25 years now <laughs> he's like he's that like he's a virtuoso so above the the skill level of everyone else in his field that it's he's just like they should probably disqualify him at this point. Yeah, do you think like other banjo players like they're hoping to be on the banjo magazine and yeah. then like mm-hmm. or get the banjo player of the year and then he gets in like damn it and they just smash their banjos and a hundred percent. I mean that's why banjo has like died as an art is because like what's the point of like trying something out when someone out there is always better than you? Yeah. And he's still like obscure. Yeah, like I think uh, when I think of banjo players, I instantly think of just like Steve, Steve Martin. Martin. Yeah, <laughs> which sucks because like there is a guy who is literally like regarded as the best banjo player to ever live, and maybe the best banjo player that will ever live. Mm-hmm. 
and uh, everyone remembers the guy who's like, banjo sure is funny, isn't it? It's impossible to frown when you hear a banjo. <laughs> I'm a wild and crazy guy. Uh, Bela yeah. Fleck's like, no, fuck <laughs> you, Steve. They should fuck with him and just put Steve Martin as banjo player of the year. Ah, that would be very funny, actually. <laughs> and I'm sure, like, Bela Fleck wouldn't even notice. He'd be like, oh, great. I don't have any room left in my goddamn trophy room. Seriously. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that's that's one thing the king always has to do. It he has to like eventually pass the crown on. Yeah, or the 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 Sith. You know, the, it's like the Sith. It's the master yeah. and apprentice kind oh, of thing. Yeah. So someone has to kill Bela Fleck with their banjo in order to become the best banjo player. Oh right? yeah, maybe I should do it. I don't know how to play the banjo, but I think if I kill him, uh-huh. I'll absorb his powers. Oh, like the Highlander. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, th- I think the, ba- the ban- banjo and the Highlander work the same way, pretty yeah. much. Yeah. Like I'll I, I'll just like pick it up and and have like an inherent knowledge of how the banjo plays, and I'll be like amazing at it. We love that. Yeah, I'll make that my plan. Hell yeah! Shoot so. Bella Fleck. <laughs> Wow. Uh, okay. Oh, All right, moving on. We, we both said, like, criminal-worthy things on this <laughs> podcast, so you know what? Let's consider it blackmail for the both of us. Yes. <laughs> if you're listening, pl- please don't tell. Yeah, please don't bully us. Um, so, uh, however, the crew don't have the energy to reproduce the situation that the Mytholsian captain, Tyken, did to get out of his situation. Mm-hmm. Furthermore, Tyken's Rift is not known to cause the unusual behavior that is becoming more and more widespread among the crew. Data says they need to figure out a way to generate a huge burst of energy to escape the field. Otherwise, they're going to be trapped. Mm-hmm. Uh, Picard and Riker talk in the turbo lift while heading up to the bridge, and Riker says that sometimes he feels like someone is watching him in his quarters, although he hasn't like succumbed to like bad dreams or pure rage or mm-hmm. being Irish. Yeah. <laughs> um, I wonder what Riker is. I feel like he's Dutch, right? He's got to be Dutch. A lot yeah, of Dutch I don't, I don't know what, where, what Riker is. Yeah. Like, yeah. Riker, it was, uh, so there was one Riker in history. I looked this up a while ago. It was like a, it wasn't, it, there, was, there was a captain, but there's also the Riker's family that like Riker's Island is named after. It was mm. probably more likely that. Uh, yeah. Hmm. A couple Rikers out there. Um, so, uh, Picard and Riker talking in the turbo lift. Riker's confessing that he's feeling agitated and things are weird. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, he still has his faculties intact. Uh, but Picard says, you need to keep your motherfucking pa- faculties intact. So go take a four-hour nap. <laughs> and when you're done, you come relieve me and I'll take a fucking nap, son. <laughs> Which is a good idea. Um, yeah. So Picard relieves but Riker. Like, do you see Riker's face after he says this? Yeah. Like he does some great acting there where he just like gives gives Picard the biggest stink face. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's just like, you he's mo- like, he's like, I, looks like he's saying you motherfucker in his head. He's like, I don't want to nap. Yeah. Cause I only go to bed to fuck. Because like the start of like the very, some very capital A acting that's in this Absolutely. whole episode. Like everyone's just like playing their most pissed off selves. Yeah. All it's, times. it's pretty funny. Yeah. Um, so he relieves Riker for four hours, telling him to get a nap in his quarters. Riker does, but feels the presence of somebody in his quarters as soon as he enters. And uh, it's weird that he doesn't try to have sex with it. Yeah. Like, you figure Riker would be like, is someone in here? Come out and suck my dick. 
<laughs> I do like that he puts on his jammies. He does. And his jammies <laughs> his jammies look a lot like the one of the first episodes where he's wearing the fucking dumb sexy Riker thing yeah. with his chest out. Like it looks very similar. Do you have do you have pajamas? Like I notice everyone in, in, in Star Trek wears pajamas, but do people still wear pajamas? It's a weird question to ask somebody. I don't do you? I don't wear like specific pajamas. I do mm. wear like, you know, usually uh like a pair of shorts and a like a, a shirt or a wife beater or something to bed. Yeah, that's what I do. But that's yeah. a, I don't no one wears like by by wearing a wife beater bed, I mean I wear a Chris Brown brown shirt. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh or or a shirt, a, a thin blue line shirt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I was just saying, like no one wears like, you know, like uh like full leg, you know, full like uh, full uh long sleeve pajamas. I don't think anyone ever wears those anymore. You know what people really don't wear anymore uh-huh. is the the giant long night shirt and the the stocking cap. <laughs> yeah, you know? I imagine that. Like I always, I can think about that. Like those night shirts must be very comfortable because they don't wear anything underneath. That's just yeah. just like all airy, right? Yeah, like no one does that anymore, and no one no one snores like the honk shoe, honk, honk shoe, or like a me 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 you know, I feel like you've practiced this in the mirror before, Pat, which you don't have to say you have. That's just but... how I sleep. I just actually went to bed. Oh, I, just yeah. went, I just fell asleep yeah, for yeah. five seconds. Later. Yeah. <laughs> fair, fair. But I do have, yeah, and I have like a little candle next to my bed, you know, where I, when I walk throughout the house, mm-hmm. through, my, through my manse in the middle of the night, wearing my nightshirt and, lo- and stocking cap. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. <laughs> So back in the turbo lift, uh, Picard uh, is going up to the bridge, and suddenly he belie- he like starts to hallucinate that the turbo lift ceiling is like closing down on him, mm-hmm. and like the floor is going up, but the ceiling's going down, which is like fucking terrifying, absolutely. Yeah. And so he's like, "What? No!" Which is actually, you know what? Doing salvia, it's kind of like that. That's what I've heard. I've mm. never done salvia, but I hear. Yeah, yeah. Salvia is like the world explodes and is closing in on you at the same time, and mm. you're like, "Oh shit, uh, I'm going to die." <laughs> it is. It is the absolute. It is. It, it is a. Um, uh, I, I feel like it triggers your fight or flight chemical response, mm-hmm. but it triggers it so hard that it like triggers impending doom. Yeah, and it makes it takes you past like, "Oh, I need to fight this or flee," and it takes you right to. I'm going to die. Yeah. And it's not like a cool, like, DMT kind of thing where it's like the moment you're born or anything and, mm-hmm. like, you see a lot of cool stuff and whatever. You have the ego f- death or something. Well, yeah. Mm, oh, no. No. It's, it's, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's not cool like that. Uh, like, it's, it, it is, it is scary. Like, when it, the first time I took it, I was, um, out on the porch with my buddy Scott in Alaska and it was like nighttime and it was like the winter um and i'm we're on the back porch and i uh, take a big hit of salvia from a bong it was a uh, i think 80 or 100 times concentrated mm. it was crazy crazy potent stuff and so i take a bowl full of this hit it and you're supposed to like hold it in for like 30 seconds and i hold it in for 30 seconds and like as i get into the 20s i'm like 24 <laughs> and like my that's how my mind is thinking about it yeah like and like my mind is just like slow to a crawl and and then suddenly i look out into the night sky and uh i see like a little glimmer and uh there's like so much light pollution around where i lived that Mm -hmm. like you couldn't really see the stars unless it was like a really clear night and it was not a clear night and so like there was should have been nothing in the sky but i see like this glimmer 
And it starts to get a little bigger. And I'm like, wait a second. And I suddenly realized that what it is, is it's a zipper, right? <laughs> and I, I, I look at like its trail and I like look back to myself and realize that it is a zipper zipping up, and my head is, in fact, just a notch in the zipper. <laughs> and when it unzips, my reality will become unzipped as well. Mm. Um, which is basically death yeah. at that point. That's what my like body told me. So my fighter's flight like just comes into play. And although I am like high and hallucinating beyond any sort of like cognitive recognition of reality like i begin to try to run away from the zipper <laughs> what i try to run to is straight through the sliding glass door <laughs> on the back of my house <laughs> now thankfully you know at this point uh i am this is before i lo lost a bunch of weight so at this point i'm like six three six four 270 280 pounds mm -hmm. You know, very far, like linebacker size. Yeah. And, um, like, I just start running, and thankfully Scott hadn't taken a hit of salvia yet. He was <laughs> just about to. Yeah. But Scott's a pretty big guy, too, and thankfully mm -hmm. at the time he was, like, uh, a wrestler that was, like, ranked pretty high up in the state. And, yeah. And so, like, he, like, realizes what I'm trying to do. And he like bear hugs me <laughs> and like and almost suplexes me to the ground <laughs> mm. because like I am trying to fight him and trying to run through a glass door, which I would have if he weren't there. Yeah. And you wouldn't be here right now. <laughs> yeah. But so then the thing about Salvia that that is its only slight saving grace is it only lasts for like two to ten minutes. Yeah. And so I came out of it about like five minutes later, maybe. But by that point, like, you take all of the psychological damage you can take. Like, if, <laughs> if you were a, a, a Pokemon, like, you'd be gone. Too yeah. much psychic damage. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, It would yeah, kill a medieval peasant. Oh, 100%. No, a medieval <laughs> peasant would not... Yeah. They would, they would discover a whole new religion. Oh, they would. They would, <laughs> they would be like... I mean, what Martin Luther said is something. But yeah. how about this? Yeah. Fuck it. Oh, yeah. um, the fucking universe is a zipper. I'm telling you, <laughs> I can't explain what you, a zipper is. It'll be invented 500 years from now. All right. You fools. I've seen it. I've seen the fucking zipper. <laughs> What's a zipper? <laughs> What's a zipper? Um, oh, he's a witch. Ban him. But thankfully, so the, the universe is not zip up on my head, but mm -hmm. I, it did change me fundamentally as a person. And mm -hmm. like, it has a weird afterglow to it to where two things, like immediately afterwards, you're mad at whoever you're around. And so I was fucking mad at Scott for a while. Yeah. I'm like, why'd you make me do that? And he's like, dude, you, you wanted to do that. And I'm yeah. like, fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> but then after like, you know, half an hour, I calmed down. I'm like, dude, I'm so sorry. I was yeah. like blaming you for that. You know, it, I was having salvia psychosis. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was <laughs> literally very much so. Uh, yeah. We would never recommend salvia to anybody. Is ever. that the, the first and last time you did it? No, I did it a few more times after oh, that. I'm, okay. I'm, I'm an idiot. So. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, sometimes in, in Alaska, like, you want to get high and there's nothing to get high with, so you're like... Why not? Chinkum, salvia. And it was, it was like, totally legal for a hot minute. Yeah, it was. <laughs> and I, I'm... I'm 
I think it still is in most places. Mm. Yeah, I know in Maryland, when I first heard about it in Maryland, like it was like they made it legal and then instantly made it illegal. So Maryland <laughs> had a real interesting one. Uh, I think it was like salvia combined with a couple interesting things. I think I remember it. I think it was Maryland specifically mm-hmm. that banned it because someone did salvia and then like it made them super depressed. So they built a fire and a tent, went inside and asphyxiated themselves. <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, that's the thing. Like, yeah, when my friend told me his experience, like, I was just like, well, never trying that in my entire life. I would not <laughs> recommend it. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, you would become a worse person after that. <laughs> like, you would not find the humor in much. <laughs> no. No. Um, yeah, yeah. No, no salvia. I don't know how we got talking about that. Uh, Picard in the elevator. That's right. That's exactly what it's like. So <laughs> uh, Picard thinks the elevator's closing in on him, uh, like a salvia hallucination, but it's only a hallucination. Uh, but it's enough to make him feel that he needs data for their uh, continued survival. I do like when he comes out of the elevator and then everyone's looking at him and he's kind of like temporarily embarrassed. Oh, yeah. And he like pulls down his <laughs> he's uniform like, and he's like, all right, then. Well, yeah. okay. Yeah. Y'all saw that. Whoopsie daisy. <laughs> You just saw me uh, screaming, uh, screaming on the floor of the elevator. You know, shit's weird. Sorry. Can't carry on. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll be in my ready room having an angry masturbation. <laughs> A very embarrassed angry masturbation. Um, so. Uh, uh, yep, he decides he needs data for their continued survival while they try to find a solution to leave the Tykens Rift. Over with Riker. Uh, he's in his quarters. He has his his big boy pajamas on. Mm-hmm. Climbs into bed for a four hour nap. I can't do that. Can you like if someone's like go get some rest? I can never like sleep. No, I I'm very bad at taking naps. Me too. I've gotten so bad at it, and it sucks because also I know like if I take a good nap, it means I won't sleep that night. Yeah, and like it fucks up the whole sleep cycle. Mm-hmm. I just like to I don't know like regular sleep. You can't beat it. And that's what I go for anymore. Yeah, Fuck same. It. Yeah, I can't. I can't just like be told to take a nap and do it, or just like if I feel like taking a nap, do it. Like mm-hmm. I'm just like too 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 onto that eight hour sleep schedule. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, by the way, Riker has the most fuckboy like bed sheets I've ever seen. Yeah, they're all like uh, very uh, what's that shit? Uh, satin, mm-hmm. like satin and like sparkly and shit. Yeah, One of them looks well, like they're a space they're from blanket. the future, so they have to be sparkly. Yeah, yeah, they actually look like. Remember those shirts in the '90s, the like the really shiny shirts that like a lot of British people wore. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, British. Oh, like uh, the Gallagher's. No, no. Like Noel Gallagher. And- oh yeah, no, yeah, 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 yeah. I was like, Gal- what? No, no. Gallagher like took started taking <laughs> no, the, off the his Oasis. The Oasis yeah, guys. Yeah, 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 definitely. And like <laughs> they were like more like British club shirts, but I think I did yeah. see them wearing some as yeah. well. Um, yeah, they're made out of that material, basically. <laughs> and uh, they're they're like fuckboy sheets, and they're super funny. Mm-hmm. So uh, data reports. Uh, well, actually, sorry. Uh, before that, um, uh, Riker is in bed, and then he sees or he hallucinates some snakes at his feet. Yeah, that was like, wild. Why's it gotta be snakes? <laughs> so back on the bridge, Data reports to Picard that he and Jordy think that reusing the deflector dish modifications previously tried against the Borg might let them break off the rift, which I actually really like. Mm-hmm. That's one that's the one really good part of writing in this episode, mm-hmm. that they tie it back to something that they tried like a couple seasons before. Mm-hmm. I think that's pretty cool. Yeah. And, and and plus, yeah, it makes sense that they would they would try something that's known to them, like try any sort of available mm-hmm. 
what what they have at their disposal. Yeah, yeah, because it makes a lot of sense. Because before then, they're like, oh, we have to have so much power for this, and now they're like, well, let's use this for the power. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it makes sense. So, uh, Picard gives Data free orders to act on his own initiative to carry out his duties when Picard falters, becoming acting captain when and where necessary, which is pretty much all the time. There. Mm-hmm, yeah. Uh, the captain reminisces on watching his grandfather deteriorate and lose his mind. It's weird. It's very weird. It is incredibly strange that he talks about his grandfather losing his mind and not his mother. Yeah. Well, that's because he hasn't come. He he he, uh, he was still believing the uh, he didn't come hadn't come to terms with his mother's death yet. Shut the fuck up, Pat. Because <laughs> like she's also he's like I, I know, I know. I just don't accept that that he could be like the best example of humanity and a very full person for so long, mm. but he has like this this deep fucking shit that he can't not cannot get through until he's in his eighties. Yeah, and he only gets it through a god dying. <laughs> Yeah, like, like he can't he can't just fucking go to therapy and get it figured out. He can't he can't be like, uh, Diana, can I borrow you for a minute and, and it, like be like, my mother killed herself. I need a good cry. And it, like, and how, it is interesting how? that he has such a close relationship with Troy, and she never sensed that in him. Right. So like, oh, right. so there's like, so the person the person that was always at his at his left hand side, mm-hmm. like, never read this sort of like thing uh this trauma from him at all right she's and she's never asked him about his family yeah and as a ship's counselor I've, it's her duty yeah to to, to know about him to know, to know about, about the captain and like and, it's obviously like something that is deeply psychologically buried and like a trigger to him mm-hmm. that like could compromise him in certain situations yeah. as we saw in fucking picard season two and so like the fact that she doesn't know that is a irresponsible <laughs> The, I mean, the, the fact that he has not divulged it to anybody is also irresponsible. Yeah. The fact that he's gone and, like, actually had episodes about, like, dealing with his trauma, like, getting stabbed and shit like that, uh, and talking about his grandfather deteriorating. So he's dealt with a lot of trauma, and he, like, knows how it is and has responsible ways to cope and deal with it, mm-hmm. except <laughs> for his mother. Yeah. Why not? Uh, I can give you a lot of reasons, right? Yeah, why not? Yeah, but yeah. mostly, <laughs> the reason I'm gonna give you is because it's shitty fucking writing. Yeah, and it's like straight up, like when, like when you were writing a main character in a franchise show, that's one of the great things about him is like you can always keep a- adding family members, mm. but you don't go through the fucking like the grandfather and shit first before you go through the mother who committed suicide, who he hasn't gotten over in like a hundred years. Yeah. Literally he, he lives a hundred years before he goes to therapy <laughs> about his mom. And it's not therapy. It's fucking a dying God mm. teaching him a lesson by sending him back in time. Yeah. Really? Like that's a, that's, I think that's also like kind of like if they were going to do that, it should have been Deanna Troy who helps him with this. Right. A hundred percent. Cause I mean, she's available. She was in season one. Yeah. She's going to be in season three. Yeah. So why shouldn't, why like, Yeah. 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 Well, it's just like it's because like, they don't know what the fuck they're doing. <laughs> yeah, you know that uh, that meme like uh, a society of dads went to therapy and then it's like a utopian society. Yeah. It's like um, Picard season two if captains went to therapy and it's just a blank screen. <laughs> just a b- black. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't have happened. Wouldn't have happened. Wouldn't have happened. Picard needs therapy, baby. Yeah. Everyone, therapy. everyone. 
if you haven't gone to therapy, go to therapy. Yeah. You know, you got to figure out your truth. You got to figure out, um, you know, uh, a, a, a meaning. Yeah. You know, got to give your own life meaning and purpose. Yeah. My meaning and purpose is uh, you're listening to it. <laughs> Would you mind handing me that gun, Pat? Yes, yes. Thank yeah, you. Yeah. <laughs> There's two bullets just in case you want to. Uh... Uh, yeah, and me next. Me next. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you can go first if you like. <laughs> I'd actually prefer you do. <laughs> I'll take the shortcut. <laughs> um, yeah, so. That's that. Deal with your trauma, people. Don't yes. don't go a hundred years before you to go to yeah. therapy, and don't don't let a god have to die to teach you a lesson. All right. Yeah. Reach out to someone before that. Yeah. We we <laughs> we we love our cues. We don't want him to die to teach you a lesson. Right? No. So, Picard uh, gravely notes that Data and the entire crew's survival may depend solely on him. Uh, oh, sorry. He notes to Data that him and the uh, crew's survival depends on him so data promises to do his best meanwhile crusher is taking brain tissue scans from the dead Bretagne personnel in the morgue with the intention of comparing them to a random cross-section of the crew and she is like a fucking hot mess here like yeah her makeup's all fucked up her hair is all frizzy and shit mm-hmm. like we love when like a uh, because uh, you know there's such fucking beauty standards on, mm-hmm. especially on movies and television that like mm-hmm. women aren't allowed to be ugly yeah. They're not allowed to like look unkempt. Yes. But we love we love a hot bitch when she goes feral. Yes. Like that that's hot, honestly. Mm-hmm. I like I like to see like a proper lady go feral once in a while. We yeah. love that goblin mode. Yeah, and they they're definitely going goblin mode in this. 100%. Yeah, Deanna is not stop wearing uh any makeup and mm-hmm. and uh and uh Beverly is like all mm-hmm. fucked up and like there like there's one speech she gives earlier where she's like basically looks like she's about to burst into tears mm-hmm. and like, she's doing an amazing job. And yeah, yeah like yeah, I love lots it. Lots of capital A acting, as you said. Yeah. I love it when they make the, yeah, make those, the look, make them look ugly decisions. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, everyone actually does look super tired in this episode, yeah. which is really great. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. And, and super irritable and mm-hmm. mad. And like, they do a great job of selling it because like at first, like that is cause like at first when you see like, you know, well, how would a Starfleet crew, lose their minds like this and kill mm-hmm. each other right. and 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 then um it's bit by bit yeah you know, you, everyone loses mm-hmm. a little bit every every minute every mm-hmm. day and then eventually it comes to a head and there's like an incident that sits everyone off because yep. everyone's on edge you know mm-hmm. it's, it's how like everything happens yeah you're like well not not the enterprise crew not them but then you start to see see mm-hmm. him like yeah it's yeah, like data, go the, the same way yeah he's the only one so um <clears throat> As Crusher is comparing uh, the uh, tissue samples, brain tissue, from the dead personnel of the Bretagne, she fights off the hallucination that bodies are moving and even sitting up like mm-hmm. Undertaker style. Yeah. Uh, later in Picard's ready room, Crusher uh, hypothesizes that the rampant outbreaks of violence aboard both ships are due to a lack of REM sleep, leading to fatigue, loss of concentration, extreme irritability, hostility, and ultimately, insanity. (laughs) However, it's not clear that this is not being caused by the Titan's Rift, but another force at work. Crusher notes that Troy can sleep, and Troy notes that she is the only person aboard the ship who continues to be able to dream, perhaps due to her being a Betazoid, or half-Betazoid, but that all of her dreams are nightmares. Mm. She believes the crew will eventually meet the same fate as the USS Bretagne and mm-hmm. everyone will kill each other. Yeah. 
who do you i mean obviously data would be the last one left standing but if mm-hmm. everyone like started fighting who do you think would you know be like the the, the last remaining o'brien yeah because <laughs> like when he does that one episode and uh ds9 when he's on um on uh impact nor mm-hmm. and like um garrick's going crazy and he does all like the weird like you know you, you know uses his skills as a soldier and an engineer to fucking mm-hmm. like survive like that was that was part you know i could see him using uh-huh. that craftiness to uh also he had n- no trouble fucking suffocating his cell uh cellmate yeah and, yeah exactly uh, yeah. And, yeah you know he's got that dog in him so uh-huh, uh yeah. i can i can see i can see o'brien being the last man standing uh-huh. but you know i would say you know and I w- you know you want to say T- Worf, but this is TNG Worf that never want to fight. Yeah, no. So, so, so. No. Worf <laughs> legitimately is not a good fighter until mm-hmm. basically. I mean, I feel like he still loses a couple fights in the uh, uh, DS9 season four, mm-hmm. but like especially when he teams up with Martok and shit, he starts yeah. to get buff, and he like. Yeah. Especially when like they're going up against the Jem Hadar, mm-hmm. and he like beats all seven of them in a row. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that's one of my favorite. That was episodes. sick. It's so fucking good, dude. Yeah, so fucking good. Yeah, and Martok was his hype man. Oh yeah, Martok <laughs> is his hype man, and then fucking Garak is fucking trapped away in a closet dealing with claustrophobia, mm-hmm. and Martok's all being like, "Fucking Metal Hill is cool. The honor has been met. You don't need to keep fighting." Yeah, it does anyway. Yeah, it's so fucking cool. That's sick. We love that episode. Just yeah. every Martok episode. Do yourself a favor. Go look up like a list of Martok episodes mm-hmm. on, on fucking Google or whatever. Just watch every single one of them. Watch them all. Yeah. But especially like, especially uh, like Once More Unto the Breach mm-hmm. is like one of the best episodes of any television series ever. Yes. Like, like the very end, like. If you think I cry mm-hmm. when like a fucking wharf is invited to the house of Martok, I'm tearing up right now. <laughs> I'm just thinking, thinking about, about it. Thinking about core, like fucking <laughs> like punching out fucking wharf, and then like uh, he's like, uh, when I find your beloved at the gates of Stovacor, <laughs> I will tell her that her husband is a brave warrior and still loves no one but her. I am like, dude, I just got chills remembering. <laughs> Fuck, man. It's so good. It's so goddamn good, son. Yeah. Once more into the breach. Watch that shit. Watch, watch it. it. Watch it. Watch, watch it. it. Watch it. Watch it. Watch it. It's watch it. it's the best. It's, it's in my <laughs> opinion, probably, probably my favorite episode of DS9. I wouldn't say it's the best episode of DS9, mm-hmm. but it pulls on my heartstrings. It's a Ronald D. motherfucking Moore. Mm-hmm. So, of course, it's going to be great. Yeah. Um, and it's a, it's a Martok wharf episode and it like god it addresses so many things like growing old losing your mind but it does it responsibly not mm-hmm. like totally obfuscating the fact that picard still hasn't dealt with his mother's death for 100 years yeah <laughs> but that's a tale for star trek picard season for, an- two. for another day for another day and another time <laughs> um so troy f- fatigued due to her nightmares continues to listen to hagen without any more information she's just trying to read his mind uh, she remarks to Dr. Crusher that the contrary situation the Betazoids and humans have, but still with a dire ending. She takes a break to go to the bridge. Meanwhile, the rest of the crew are behaving irrationally. The Italian Gillespie expresses a desire to fight the hallucinations and tells Guinan he'd rather go out fighting than be a victim to his own mind, mm. which is a very Italian thing to say. Oh, yeah. It's like, 
I'm not crazy. It'll beat your ass to prove it. Like, <laughs> that's like the most Italian thing you can possibly say. They're very say. passionate people. They're. <laughs> that's one way to put it. If I. If I had a doctorate, I'd probably put it a different way. Mm. But, you know, I'm not qualified to uh, to speak on that. I'll just say Italians are special people. <laughs> Every Italian is special. Yes. Including you. I'm only 9% Italian. Well, you're 9% special. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, um... Uh, Data and a distracted Jordy in engineering signal to the bridge to execute their earlier plan of using the deflector burst to disrupt the Titan's rift. LaForge is losing his concentration, so Data helps him out. However, it is unsuccessful since the energy from the deflector dish was still absorbed directly into the rift. So Worf, at this point, uh, feels so helpless after failing with the deflector burst that he walks into his room... And uh, pours some, like, liquid on a knife mm -hmm. and attempts to kill himself. Yeah, he starts to commit ritual suicide. It is so fucking, like, <laughs> extra. It's like... <laughs> yeah, because the way he leaves the way he leaves the bridge, too, he's just like... <gasps> and it's like, a, he looks it's very a, it's frantic. A, and... 13 seasons wharf. <laughs> 13 thir thir seasons or, wharf. <laughs> 13, 13 reasons wharf, rather. Uh, there, there, yeah, there's a meme there. 13 reasons wharf. Yeah, um, yeah. He's he, like, he just goes all out. He goes from zero to 60. He's just like, he really does. Like, he does kind of seem agitated beforehand. Like, um, like when he shows up to the, to the, um, the meeting late, he's just like, sorry, I was delayed. Uh, no, no. He said, I was detained. I was detained. Yeah. So, so yeah. yeah, it, uh, definitely like he implies that like he might have gotten in a fight with a motherfucker. Yeah. Which is awesome. <laughs> so, um, uh, he feels that he's no longer a warrior because he is afraid of whatever is causing their sleeplessness. And so that's his enemy, but he cowers from it because he does not understand it. Mm, he feels which, fear. Yeah, which is amazing. Like, I love how the fucking Klingons, like, frame everything as a battle against something else. Mm -hmm. And at this point, he's, like, battling against his mind, which literally, I mean, that's what suicide is. Yeah. It's like losing a battle against your mind. And mm -hmm. it, it's it's fucked up and it's sad. Um mm -hmm. But, you know, hopefully there's someone out there who, mm -hmm. who's feeling bad and can reframe, you know, their, their sadness mm -hmm. and their feeling bad as a battle against their own mind. And they can win that shit. Yeah. Yeah. We, we love that. We love, like, there is so much positivity to be found in Klingon culture. Yeah. Especially once you get into fucking Martok and shit. Like, yeah. it is, it's just, like, reframing everything as, like, an aggressive bro. Mm -hmm. but that's fine. Like if that's your thing and that's how you like grew up or whatever, that, that's a symbology you understand. That's totally fine. Mm -hmm. Like they're, they're just like uh, fucking like, I think I said it on another episode, but like when Martok comes into the picture, Martok is like a fucking Antifa MMA bro, yeah. which they exist. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of those dudes out there and they're really sick. They're really yeah. cool guys. Um, but yeah, you know, it's like, that's, that's just what he understands. Cause he's a fucking Klingon. Yeah. You know, that's how he grew up. Mm -hmm. What else are you going to understand? Other fucking K-less, <laughs> honor, fucking killing, fighting, you know? Fucking. Yeah. And so you, you take non-toxic and, like, really positive things mm -hmm. and uh, just reframe them as a battle. Yeah. Yeah. I'd love to do that. So Troy, fortunately, uh, runs into Worf's quarters and manages to convince him to put the knife down, telling him that whatever is tormenting him is just an illusion. Uh, he agrees to go with her to sickbay, and it is a sign of the bizarre atmosphere aboard the ship to see the Hulk and Klingon warrior being led by the hand like a frightened child 
by the tiny Betazoid lady. Mm. Acting Captain's Log, Stardate 44642.1. I have assumed command of the Enterprise at the request of Captain Picard. Our situation is deteriorating. Many of the crew are unable to function, and our life support systems are beginning to falter. That's from Data. Mm. Troy has a real bad scene. Bad scene. Uh, fortunately, she's having a breakthrough with Hagen uh, and reports to Picard in his ready room that she thinks there are aliens trying to communicate telepathically because they are also trapped. Mm-hmm. And interspersed in all of this, there's like four or five scenes of Troy doing the same thing in like the purple cloud void and just yeah. flying up. I, I didn't like note where they were because they kept on happening. I'm like, what? And I think I think one was like right before here. I'm like, fuck this. Yeah. That's why I looked it up. Um, uh, Mirna Sirtis has uh, acrophobia where she's afraid of heights. Oh, interesting. So like that's so like when she was up in the that rig, she was terrified. <laughs> yeah, as I would be too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which makes sucks. which helps. You know, I think probably helps her acting a bit because yeah, I mean, yeah, she's dealing. She should with, be terrified. Yeah. She should be terrified. Yeah. But yeah, it just looks unnatural. So. Yeah. Uh, Data says it's possible that the telepathic communication is interfering with REM sleep of the non-Betazoid crew. So he agrees that there might be another ship caught by the Tycan's Rift, and if so, they could free themselves by working together to create an explosion between the two ships. Mm. At the bridge science station, Data investigates elements uh, to use for creating an explosion, though Troy realizes that the message One Moon Circles in her dream refers to a hydrogen atom. That is a single electron circling a single proton. Mm-hmm. Uh, if the Enterprise releases hydrogen towards the other ship and Troy sends the message to act, they could produce the necessary explosion. Troy raises the question of what message to deliver, and Data points out that it is the crew of the alien ship that has communicated what they need. And once the Enterprise provides it, the only required message is now. Mm. So... Troy goes to sickbay to be put to sleep. Data says she only has two minutes to send the message telepathically. Data prepares the release and assumes the role of acting captain of the Enterprise when he finds Picard too slow and tired to respond. Ejecting the hydrogen into uh, the space immediately in front of the ship through the Bassard collectors. Uh, What that... Bassard do. <laughs> what that Bassari do? Is that the B- Picard's bussy? The Bassard? <laughs> that's, that's that's Picard's bleached asshole. I'm going to Bassard. I bleached my asshole. <laughs> Riker, would you take a look at this? <laughs> uh, to get more power, Data orders all crew to the designated emergency shelter areas so unoccupied parts of the ship can be taken off of life support. Which, I don't, do they ever talk about this again? I don't ever remember like designated non-life support areas of the ship where they like can take off partial life support and people can go to places. I think they, well, I think they can do that wherever they want. I mean, they kind of do it sometimes when like. They they shut down like affected sectors of the ship. I don't ever remember them doing this though and like quarantining most of the ship so they can reserve. Well, it makes sense. Like, you know. It does. It does make sense. I just don't ever remember this happening. Yeah. And it, it also like leads to the questions like, so did they just like seal those off and like kind of look. Like, I mean, do they do they still heat them? Or like, a bunch of questions. Yeah. Yeah. So, mm. you know. Uh, the crew in 10 forward. Uh, so we're back in 10 forward now where Gillespie has been inciting violence. Uh, As Italians do. <sighs> I didn't say it. Because I'm not Italian. <laughs> yes. 
All I will say is something needs to be done about it. <laughs> I mean, not in Star Trek here on Earth. Yes. Uh, yes. <laughs> so the crew in Tenford uh, thinks the situation is an experiment and want to mutiny, led by Gillespie. Mm. He's like, uh, I'm going to go out fighting, goddammit. <laughs> and he just starts punching and shit, as mm. Italians do. Yes. Uh, your words, not mine. <laughs> 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 Guinan, who uh, is apparently nowhere nearly as affected as the rest of the humanoid species aboard, realizes that something crazy might happen and immediately calls security. Mm -hmm. As soon as security enters, a fight breaks out between Gillespie and them, uh, as Italians do. <laughs> fight security officers wherever they go, mm -hmm. or bouncers. Yes, Doesn't or bouncers. Matter. Or bouncers, especially bouncers, actually. Mm -hmm. Um so Guinan takes out a rifle uh, that she says she acquired from Magus 3 from behind 10 forwards bar and fires it into the ceiling, which, like, not very safe. No, it's also, like, a huge... It seemed like it would do more damage because, like, actually do some actual, like, like remove the ceiling or go through the ceiling yeah. wherever, wherever she is. Like, it seems like it's not a safe thing to fire indoors, but... Like they probably they could probably could have achieved the same thing with like a phaser on stun, just zapping it in the air. You'd think so, but, but she, she she doesn't get issued a phaser because she's a bartender. Yeah, it's just crazy. Also, yeah, as you said, she doesn't seem affected by it, by it at all. Because mm -hmm. yeah, I'm guessing like because um you know she has some you know special abilities of some kind. Well, it's it's because Guinan is already always fucking pissed. Yeah, <laughs> he's always just ready to fucking fight. And uh, it, it seems like why she 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 could have like probably stepped up and helped Data out. Mm -hmm. you no, know. I mean she could have, but she doesn't want to. Yeah, she doesn't want to. It's like I don't get paid by you. Fuck that shit. <laughs> Walks away. I date Ted Danson. <laughs> um. So, uh, the shock value of uh firing the rifle stops the fight. Thankfully, mm -hmm. so just after. That there is no longer sufficient power to maintain the hydrogen stream leaving the Bassard collectors. An explosion erupts in front of the shift, indicating that Troy was successful. Mm. Power and life support are restored to normal throughout the ship, allowing the Enterprise and the alien vessel to escape the rift, although the Bretagne is left behind. Yeah. As his final duty is acting captain, Data orders Picard and the rest of the crew to their quarters to sleep. Mm. while he will take the ship to Starbase 220. Picard begins to exit the bridge, but not before thanking Data. And it was it was nice. He's like, Data, thank you. Mm -hmm. uh, but, uh, and then, um, yeah, uh, Data says it was his pleasure and leads the Enterprise to Starbase 220. End of episode. Yeah. Yeah. What'd you think? Yeah, I thought it was a great episode. Really? Yeah. I liked it a lot. Like, I, I liked it. It, was, it's, it seems like a Halloween type episode like it feels oh, treehouse of horror yeah it's like a, it's kind of a spooky episode it, you know spooky and it seems like a kind of a um almost I, I kind of like reminds me of event horizon i don't know if you've seen that movie seems, i have i love yeah i love i love space horror and oh. it comes off as a as a very spooky episode and they're out and there's tied to a to an interesting mystery because mm -hmm. as i said like you know tyken's rift yeah it you know it only known for stick for for draining the power of the ship, not causing madness. Who, mm -hmm. you know, there is a mystery of what's causing the madness, and and I think they they solve the problem in a very creative way, and so it's it's a it's a great episode, and it's very, you know one of those other rare episodes where Deanna's a a hero, uh -huh. she gets to do do something, <laughs> she, and, you know she's she was uh, int uh integral to saving the entire Enterprise, 
so I thought that was a pretty cool episode. You know, you know, yeah. it, was, it, it was a pairing of you know, a good pairing of um, of Deanna and Data. Yeah, you don't really see many Deanna Data episodes because they really don't make sense on a lot of levels. Yeah. Because usually, you know, if something is heavily affecting like people, it's not going to be affecting Data, and like vice versa. Mm-hmm. And so, like, and Data you know, does go to her for therapy sometimes, like just kind of like, yeah, or more like to understand like what it is to be human or yeah. whatever, because she has a, a deeper insight into what it is to be human than most humans. Yeah, emotions and stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, yeah, that's uh, yeah, that's a good point. But yeah. yeah, you don't see that a lot. But you you love to see it when that happens. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, I don't think this episode was very good at all. <laughs> In fact, I think it was bad. What I love. I, so 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 I'll say this: the acting wasn't too terrible. Mm-hmm. The script was bad. Mm. The script was bad, and also, like, the fucking Deanna floating in space, like, four times. Yeah. Every time that happened, I was like, oh, no. It was, like, <laughs> it was just very cheesy. Mm-hmm. It looked bad. Knowing that she was afraid of heights, that makes me feel bad for her. And it <laughs> lets me know it was just a bad decision on every level. Yeah. It was like, they shouldn't have done that. Mm. We can agree they probably shouldn't have done Deanna flying. No, yeah, there probably could have been a better way to do it. Yeah, there was definitely many better ways. Like, her even just walking through a void would have been cool and made more sense, probably. Yeah. She didn't need to be flying. It do- does not make sense. Yeah. Especially if it terrifies the actress. <laughs> yes. Poor poor Marina Sirtis. Mm-hmm. I wish I could offer a comforting cuddle. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. Yeah. Agree to disagree. Fair, fair. Yeah, I, I give it like I give it like a straight up like four out of ten. Below I give, average. I give it a nine out of ten. I would say. Wow. Yeah, revisiting this episode, I'm wow. like this episode slaps. Okay. So I would say like I would I would put it on top of like one of my favorite. Okay. TNG yeah. episodes. Like I I do like the acting, uh, but I don't know, it's kind of a mess. Doesn't really feel a hundred percent like Star Trek. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Eh, yeah. Not my favorite thing. Not my favorite thing. I feel you. I think this might be one of the first episodes we like really disagreed on. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> well, I mean, I'll take one bullet out of the gun if you want to, you know, Russian roulette to see who's right. All right, let, All right. let, let the gun, the law of the gun, let the gun decide. Yeah, the one who uh, doesn't leave here tonight, <laughs> yeah. they get to be right. Well, you're not going to leave anyway. This is your house. Fuck. <laughs> Ooh, that means I win by default. <laughs> I mean, depends on what you mean by win, Pat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's true. I'm staying here with you on the back porch tonight. <laughs> um, yeah, so that was our uh, episode of the week. Cool. Uh, our old episode. Do you want to figure out what we are reviewing next week? Yeah, let's do it. Okie dokie. So let's uh, choose a random episode for next week to watch. So uh, with that, let's pull out our old uh Old cum stained random <laughs> number computer here. All righty, let's hit it. First number. First number, and what we're not watching next week is number 652. So let's get our second and second episode we're not watching next week. Hit it. We got 66. Order 66. Not watching Order sixty six. That's uh, that's what Star Trek three. No, Star Wars three. <laughs> uh, execute Order sixty six, and then they kill all the Jedi. Or is that number mm. two? I think that's two. Yeah, you don't yeah. you don't know? You haven't seen them. Yeah, I haven't seen it. Doesn't matter. Anyway, all right, come stain machine. <laughs> Give us the third number in the episode we're watching next week. Ninety nine. Hmm. 
Oh, wow. So it looks like that's going to be... Oh, oh, this will be our first episode, and this completes it. Our first episode of the animated series. Wow, I I haven't seen any of the animated series. After this, we'll have reviewed an episode from every single Star Trek series. Wow, awesome. Yeah, um, that'll be fun. Um, So it's, uh, let's see, TAS. It's going to be, ooh, the ill-fated second season that only had like six episodes or something. It's going to be episode four of that called Albatross. Mm. So TAS, season two, episode four, Albatross is what we will be watching and reviewing next week. Hells yeah. Uh, With that, would you like to get into a Klingon word of the day? I would. All right, kapla, let us take off to Kronos. There we go. Today's Klingon of the Word of the Day is Nirvon. Nirvon? Wait. Nivnav. Nivnav? That's right. Nivnav. Nivnav. This means pajamas. Oh, pajamas. Which apparently, yeah, even the Klingons wear Nivnav. <laughs> That's cool. So it's, uh, you use it in a sentence there. I just did. Oh. Oh okay. Oh okay. <laughs> how, how about how about something more like uh, one of my favorite urban comedies is uh, House Party Two, the Nivnav Jam. <laughs> Nivnav Jam. Oh yeah, House Party Two, the Pajama Jam. Yeah. Excuse me. Oh, I'm sorry, the Nivnav Jam. Thank you. Or uh, bananas and Nivnav. <laughs> <laughs> bananas and Nivnav are coming down the stairs. <laughs> what do you think even Klingon pajamas look like? Um. Just a cod piece. Yeah, because what? What? I I think we've seen Worf go to a, bed a before. cod piece like split in two, one for each <laughs> cock. <laughs> but I think I do remember Worf wearing like traditional pajamas. Yeah, but he's got like, like Russian he, Jewish he, parents. He, yeah, he's wearing human pajamas. I feel like like yeah, I feel like maybe Russian Jews are the only people that still still wear like the nightcap and the really long nightshirt. Oh yeah. Yeah, <laughs> that would have been funny if he was wearing the nightshirt. That that would be so funny, and if he snored <laughs> like. His, his <laughs> He was wearing his honk shoes. Yeah, yeah, his honk shoes. <laughs> Shut up. Shut up. Shut up. Klingon Word of the Day is canceled. Damn it. <laughs> All right. Well, with uh, Klingon Word of the Day canceled forever, uh, you want to get into uh, subspace transmission? Let's do it. Subspace transmission. Subspace transmission. It's Subspace Transmission, that part of the show where we usually read reviews of the show. But you know what? I uh, I got kind of into like reading lore of this episode. Oh, interesting. And so sometimes now on Subspace Transmissions, maybe increasingly more, maybe forever now on Subspace mm. Transmissions, we're going to look at the lore of the episode and like cool. what the cast and crew and like production stats behind it and all, all fun stuff like that. So... Uh, this, and this is all from like Memory Alpha, and basically all of it is annotated from a different Star Trek book at mm. some point. So, as mentioned in the Star Trek: The Next Generation Companion, this episode is considered to be one of the weakest of the fourth season, and many members of the production staff were unhappy with it. Wrong. 
the scenes. <laughs> it's fabulous. It's, it's one fabulous. of the most fabulous episodes we've ever seen. Uh, so, Many people are saying this. I've heard it. I've heard it everywhere. <laughs> All the people are talking about this episode. They're saying it's great. So uh, the scenes with Troy flying were said to be, quote, a terrible mistake, unquote, by Jerry Taylor and Robert Legato described them as horrible. Oh. Uh, Jonathan Frakes remarked, that was a yawner, wasn't it? That was a shitty piece of special effects work when Troy was flying with those clouds around her. That was below our standard. Which I love. Jonathan Frakes does some of the best shoot interviews Mm -hmm. on, um, and if you don't know what shoot interviews, it's a wrestling term where wrestlers break kayfob Mm -hmm. and talk about like all the behind the scenes stuff. Jonathan Frakes legitimately does the best shoot interviews about Star Trek. Like he, he has no problem being like, yeah, I fucked up real bad on that episode. (laughs) Like he's he's so funny. He's so humble. He's so down to earth. We mm-hmm. we love Jonathan Frakes. Yeah, humble non, king, non toxic king, non toxic king, <laughs> non toxic king. Yeah, um, he rocks. Yeah, we do love that. So, uh, Marina Sirtis said about this episode, I liked the storyline of that episode because it was about the dream world, and I'm of Greek descent, so I totally believe dreams mean something. Mm. Another reason to hate the Greek. <laughs> <laughs> Those swarthy Greeks. <laughs> Uh, them and their baklava. Um, and she continues, and not the Freudian thing, all this hocus pocus. So that was another one that I could relate to really strongly, mm-hmm. but I did hate the flying. Uh, Rick Berman commented on the episode, quote, the sleep disorder uh, was that our people were not getting enough REM sleep and they were going mad, which in fact is what would happen. It was all medically accurate, but it was kind of hard to follow and got con- and got convoluted. I don't think there was anything very terrifying in it. Mm. I agree, Rick Berman. <laughs> Michael Piller concluded, It was the first show right after Christmas hiatus, and I don't think everybody was quite back on their feet yet. As a result, the energy level was way, way down, and the timing was off, and the nature of the problem made everybody start reading slowly. The bottom line was that it was no longer a script because they were dream-deprived. They were all talking slowly, and after a while, that gets pretty boring. And the middle of that show sagged and was slow, boring, and disappointing. Wrong. <laughs> here's, here's, here's my favorite factoid about this episode. Director Les Landau, legendary, mm-hmm. as we said, has directed like 50 episodes plus of Star Trek. Yeah, yeah. Plus the Klingon game. Director Les Landau blocked this episode out and prefers not to discuss it. What? For reasons he will not elaborate on. Wow. It has something, apparently, to do with Troy floating in space. <laughs> wow. Yeah. What, so was it like, was there so there's something that happened with that that he won't speak about? Uh, I don't know. So uh, let's get into uh, some production notes about that. So Mm. the scenes with Troy flying were shot through a whole day of second unit production, a rarity for TNG. Uh, Marina Sirtis commented that her requests for more action scenes had backfired. She had to grapple with an intense fear of heights in order to film them. So uh, Sirtis recalled, the terror on my face was actually real. (laughs) I was absolutely terrified. (laughs) Just kind of fucked up. Yeah. Uh, so Night Terrors was filmed between Monday, the 7th of January, 1991 and Tuesday, the 15th of January, 1991 on Paramount stage eight, nine, and 16. 
Additional blue screen stuff for the flying scene was uh, filmed for an entire day on Paramount Stage 13, and this was the first episode filmed in 1991, as Pillar said, after the Christmas break. Hmm. So things were... Things were warm. Um, uh, last production uh, thing here. The Miranda-class USS Bertain was a redress of the USS Reliant from Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. Mm. Uh, the name was mistakenly still spelled Bertain with two Ts uh, on the studio model. Oh, interesting. So the correct spelling is supposed to be B-R-A-T-T-A-I-N. Mm. But on the ship and uh, in the script, it is B-R-I-T-T-A-N, mm. which is really interesting. Weird. So yeah. the correct spelling uh, with both two A's was legible on several display graphics seen in the episode. It was also the spelling used in the script. So. Mm. Um, and then last note here for the story and script, uh, teleplay, teleplay writer Jerry Taylor noted, this was a real tough episode. It was convoluted. It was a little mysterious. Technical. Quasi-supernatural. It was all over the map, and there were a lot of different episodes to try and make cohesive. I rewrote and rewrote it, and I never thought we were going to put that one to bed. It was strange. Troy's dream sequences are not something you get to see every week. It's Thank true. God. <laughs> Thank fucking God. Never again. Never again. Troy's dream sequences were just dumb. Let's yeah. be honest. They were bad. They were dumb. They were bedong. Yeah. Bad and, and wrong. wrong. Yeah. I made a new word. Bedong. Yeah. It's from uh, Kung Pao. Kung Pao Enter the Fist. Love that uh, movie. Yeah, it is actually a pretty fun movie. I mean, there's yeah. there's one scene in it that literally ruins the entire film. Mm, which but, one? You know the one, the cow scene. Oh yeah, that one sucks. It's 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 the most dated comedy. It's not yeah. funny. It's yeah. not funny. It's like it was funny for like the first time you saw it in two thousand two. Yeah, but then like now it's like no. Everything else about that movie is genius. Though. It is. It, it really <laughs> is. Um, but yeah, so uh, that is. Subspace transmissions. Well, for the day. you know what? Even though, like, that's all their, you know, expert opinions that the people who actually made it, uh-huh. I have to uh, disagree with them. I think it's a bomb episode. Uh, <laughs> could I be out of touch? <laughs> no, it's the entire production crew and acting staff that is wrong. Hey, I like it. It has, yeah. it has everything you okay, want. Okay, a spooky, a spooky mystery. Uh-huh. The spooky mystery. Like, you Deanna know, Deanna Troy's butt, Deanna Troy's butt, uh, Data and Troy working together. Mm-hmm. Um, like, yeah, like her hanging there, I think is really, really dopey. But mm-hmm. you know what? I, I like space horror. It comes off. It's a good episode. If you want it, if it's Halloween, you want to mm-hmm. watch a episode of TNG on Halloween. That's the episode to watch. Well, how about this? How about an episode of Star Trek where they go into the holodeck mm-hmm. and, uh, Data and Jordy, who we both know are bronies. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, of course. Yeah, they're, they're, they're bronies. <laughs> they 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 go in to solve a mystery, and it's a uh, it's a buddy clop film. <laughs> they're just clopping together. They're they got just, they got just to, watching horse porn together. They got they got to fill the jar. <laughs> <laughs> Friendship is magic. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe the friendship was the magic we filled the jars with along the way. Um, good old white magic, white sticky magic. Anyway, so uh, that's yeah. uh, it's, it's uh, kind of it. That's we're nearing the end of the show now. Mm-hmm. But before we leave, 
Let's say goodbye oh, yeah. to someone who gave the ultimate sacrifice. It's time for a redshirt obituary. Hells yeah. Will the awaiting slip inch and somebody had to die? But thanks a lot, time to beam up to that big red shirt in the sky. Hey, it's the redshirt obituary. Today we remember Ensign Haskell a relief con officer who served aboard the USS Enterprise D under Captain Jean-Luc Picard until 2365. Haskell died in the line of duty while serving at the con when the Enterprise D encountered Nagilium in an unknown void of the Morgana Quadrant. Naglium? Naglium. Naglium questioned the crew about mortality briefly before Haskell grabbed his head and cried out before collapsing, dead, in a clear experiment by the entity to understand life. Now, I'm not 100% sure, but I think... No, I take that back, because uh, Captain on. So, this is, I think, the first black guy on a TV se- on a, um, on a Star Trek TV series that is killed. Because mm. uh, what's-his-face uh, in Star Trek uh, The Wrath of Khan? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he died. Yeah. But uh, and I feel like there was, wasn't there a black lady captain? No, they were set adrift. Yeah. Okay, yeah. But, you know. And this is one of the most iconic deaths in the series, I feel. <laughs> like, yeah. like that, that, the, the, the uh, clip of him just like, you know, shaking. Oh! It. <laughs> it's, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's really, really funny. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, rest in peace among the stars, Anson Haskell. And thanks for your contribution to the greater good, I guess. Yeah, R.I.P. Bozo. We uh yeah fucking thanks for thanks for taking taking one for the team yeah it's it's crazy the entity is like I'm gonna take an expendable one <laughs> like yeah the entity wasn't like <laughs> I like the big the big one with the beard I'm gonna kill him he's yeah. sexy yeah instead like, of- they're just like how about the black guy <laughs> like <laughs> come on man why why is it gotta be like that Morgana Quadrant God and that sucks to like also just like go into Starfleet and do all that training and then mm-hmm. just be like killed on a whim by some by some fucking asshole. Morgana Quadrant's probably like, all lives matter, you know. <laughs> yeah. You know, blue lives matter, too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> fuck, fuck you, Morgana Quadrant. Yeah, or fuck Nagilium, you. Whatever, yeah, whatever fuck you, you dude. Yeah, piece of shit. Uh, well, that, that's about the end of the show. Uh, yeah. Where can we find you online, Pat? Uh, I'm at P- PatTomicBomb on uh, Instagram and Twitter. And... Oh no, you're Soy Truck Pat on Reddit. Yes. We I have am. a Reddit. Go to uh, reddit.com r slash Soy Trek. Or you yeah. know what? Just check out Soy Trek anywhere. We're basically yeah. everywhere except for fucking TikTok. Yeah. Yeah. Or Tumblr. Yeah, that's what you think. <laughs> I have my own private private Tumblr where I just vague post about my co host. Ah, oh, damn it. Yeah. Ah. Oh. Oh, that's where all those, that's why these people keep... Yeah, you fucking, I'm like, yeah, my co-host is an anti-Semite. <laughs> they were confused about why they were called an anti-Semite, because they liked Jewish deli food. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I I think he hates all Jews. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, I probably just... probably wraps that sandwich with the uh, paper from, uh, you know, Protocols of the Elders of Zion. I just like those bagels, the vegan bagels. They're really good. <laughs> <laughs> you should... You go pick up a sandwich and like hold hold a very brightly colored copy of the protocols of the Elders of Zion. <laughs> Just going to a bagel shop and reading that book there. <laughs> yeah, that's a fun idea. Don't do that. No. Don't buy that book. No. <laughs> <laughs> Don't buy it. Don't read it. It's fucking 
anti-Semitic conspiracy bullshit. Yeah. It's it's what idiots read. It's bad news bears. It's very bad. And not, I mean, it's it's the bad, it's a Richard Linklater bad news bears, the dog shit one. Yeah. Like, you know, we didn't, we didn't need a remake of the classic 70s kids baseball film. No, yeah. Why would you do that? Yeah. You don't need to update a kids baseball film. Yeah. Yeah. Don't. Fools. <laughs> even, even if it has Billy Bob in it. Everyone loves Billy Bob Thornton. Yeah. But oh, he's no Walter Matthau. That's very true. Who yeah. is, though? Besides Jack Lemon. Got him. Got him. Got him, motherfucker. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, yeah, you can find me, Soytrek, any social media. Uh, you know, also go to soytrek.com, buy mm-hmm. our merch, uh, reach out to me on social media, ask for dick pics, yeah. ask for cum video, sound on. I'll straight up send it to you. Yeah. Send it to a bunch of people now. They like Hell it. Yeah. Yeah. I've sent pictures of uh, my roommate's cats. People, yeah, people have asked me for the cat pictures. Okay, (laughs) cool, yeah. (laughs) Captain's log supplemental. Well, that's all. Looks like it's time for us to warp away. Be well, travel safe. And as Ferengi rule of acquisition 18 says, a Ferengi without profit is no Ferengi at all. Mm. Sounds good. All right. Well, thanks for checking with the soy boys, girls, and other worldly beans. Hang dong and shocker. Motherfucker! Motherfucker! Well, that's that. Hells yeah.